0: Linda, that's fine. I don't need much room. I'll wave my arms around. (laughs) Happy Sunday, everyone. You've probably noticed we've reached the end of creative mind. We've been using this uh, first work of Ernest Holmes this month, and we're just finishing it up. And I think the choir did a lovely job of recapping what we've learned the first three weeks. Really, the power of our own creative thought, co-creating, if you will, God to create everything that we need really putting the labor if you will aside it is simply through the power of our own thinking through our own beliefs through the power of our own mind we we talked about i think in week 1 the idea of our word simply through the power of our own word moving forth into the universe creating what we need what we want what we desire so how's that going I I guess I ask this from a couple perspectives, because I know that uh, just the mere fact that you're here, I would guess you've experienced some success at it. Uh, uh, I mean, I know there are a few first-time visitors here, and that might not be true for you. But anyone who's been to one of our centers a, a few times, I think, has begun to recognize the power of our own word. And, and over time, in fact, have cultivated that, have made that part of who we are, trying to make sure that our thoughts, our beliefs, are. Um, really our mental pictures, the the idea that we have about the world are what we want to experience because we know that that's what's going to happen. We know that when we have thoughts of love and life, we're going to begin seeing more love and life in our world. When we have thoughts of joy and peace, we're going to be seeing more of that in the world. But I want to maybe throw just for a moment a monkey wrench in that. Let me... uh, Read how Ernest Holmes starts this segment of the, the last little bit in Creative Mind. He says, There seems to be something in the collective unconscious that says we are poor, that says we are limited, that says there is a lack of opportunity, that times are hard, that prices are high, that nobody wants what I have to offer. No person, no person will succeed who speaks these ideas. When we express ourselves in this way, we are using the same law, but in a destructive way. And he goes on to talk a little bit about an idea of 51% that I want to share with you. I think our only uh, must-have, if you will, in terms of using this law is to try our very best to push our conscious use of it so that at least 51% of our thoughts are about what we want to experience so let me explain a little bit more now I don't know where uh, some of us may start out some of us may have had troublesome lives or be going through a struggle whether it be of the the mind the body or the spirit and oftentimes even just living from day to day what are the messages we get from the media what are the messages that we get from advertising what are the messages we get at work and from our friends often they're anything but positive And so it is certainly no wonder that many of us start out life with less than 51% of our thoughts being that the universe is a good place, with less than 51% of, of the time with us thinking that life is good and more than good. If we are doing this, as Ernest Holmes says, however, we're using the law, certainly, but we're using it for our own detriment instead of our own positive benefit. And so his idea, and I share it with you freely, is that we can evolve, that there is the ability, the capability, and I want to today suggest the obligation even, for us to evolve to the point where at least 51% of the time Our thoughts are on the positive side of things because that acts as that snowball. Then then 52% is equally easy as 51% was. Then 55% and 60%. Then 80% seems totally doable because we're building upon the success. We're building upon the positive thinking that has produced positive results and, and then feeds us more into that. So for my own part, where am I? I think, you know, by and large, I've been in the teachings of Science and Mind now about a dozen years. And I would like to suggest, I was trying to figure this out the other day and looking through my journals of writings and things like that. And I think I'm about 70%. About 70% of the thoughts and beliefs and ideas in my head, I would say, most days are on the positive. Most days, I'm affirming what I want to experience. My, my heart is open. Most days, 70% of the time, I would say I'm having thoughts towards the good. But oh my gosh, the other times. Right? It's like you drive up to a freeway entrance, and who's standing there, right? A gentleman or a young woman with a sign. It's like there's lack staring me right in the face again. And even though it's not my lack... The mere fact that I look at this person and say, oh my gosh, here's someone that doesn't even have enough food for today, they're, they're here at the freeway. Do you know what I'm doing though? When I'm doing that, even though it's about someone else, I'm affirming that lack is real. And, 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 and I can't not be right in the middle of that, right? If lack exists for other people, lack exists for me. Or, or maybe I'll be watching some television and I'll see a, a couple on TV just go at each other. You know, very hurtful, very cruel, or something like that. And for a moment there, even though it's TV, even though I know it's made up, right? My heart is right there with them. And I think, oh my gosh, you know, if only they were seeing a counselor. I'm making story, <laughs> stories about what's going on TV, right? Because it tends to kind of draw you in sometimes. But even in my doing that, Right? What am I doing? I'm affirming that couples have trouble, that couples have divisiveness. Even if I'm not doing it for me, the fact that I'm seeing it in someone else, the fact that I'm rationalizing in my own head how to make it better, itself is an affirmation that there's trouble. I was having, i got to just tell you, I was having a rotten day a couple of days ago, and I want to share it with you. I promise this whole talk will take a turn for the better soon, <laughs> but I was having a rotten day on Friday, and uh, you know it was one of those days where I woke up, and I don't know, I think the word melancholy maybe would be the nicest word to describe it, because when I woke up, it seemed like everything was on the negative side. I look out in the garden. Here we have this beautiful garden, and what do I notice? That the daffodils are done blooming. Just see where I'm going? It's like it was better last week. Right? Right. So here is my, my sweet dogs. And, and, and rather than thinking of the, the love that, uh, of my sweet dogs, where, where did my thoughts go? Well, one is 18. She isn't going to be here much longer. Do you know what I mean? Those feelings of melancholy and not quite good enough. Now, in the other room, my partner Daniel, uh, he's getting ready for a a country western dance, and he's going through about a million country songs to try to pick out ones for the dance that they haven't heard before. And, of course, what are the ones I'm hearing in my head? Right? You know the ones. Not even my horse loves me anymore. Right? Right? And I, you know, here I am as your minister, I'm going to confess, I was about like that for four hours. Finally though, the awareness hit me, why am I doing this to myself? I have the power to change this, I know myself well enough to see I'm in it. (laughs) I'm cognizant of the fact that I have the means and and some of the the tools to use. I'm going to do something about it. And so I, I called into the next room and I had my partner Daniel put on this song. Oh, it gets worse. calling you and listen for the saw they're actually playing a saw there it is they're playing a saw in the background to make that noise okay that's that's probably about all we can take (laughs) now you might ask me why i said Daniel put on that song. You might even ask, why would Daniel have that song in his his music library, too? Well, okay, so so I'll tell you the story. First of all, when I hear that song, I remember being a kid and hearing my grandfather playing cowboy music like that. In fact, I was checking in with some of the musicians earlier, like, what do you call that music? It sounds like cowboy yodeling to me. And they said it's called cowboy yodeling. (laughs) But what it reminds me is the sweet, sweet times I had with my grandfather. When I listen to that music, first off, I think of him and, and fishing with him or just being in the living room and the, and the wonderful stories he would tell. I mean, it, it opens my heart in a powerful way, just remembering him and that crazy music. But you know it's more than that. I mean, even as a piece of music, it's it's amazing. Where on the planet are you going to hear someone playing a saw, of all things? Do you know what I mean? It it reminds me of a time in America when when uh, lyrics and and music was unabashedly simple and 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 kind of tugged at our hearts without even apologizing about it. Do you know what I mean? It reminds me just of a time when we when we were freer just to be ourselves and. And open-minded, but you know what? That's not completely it either. What it also reminds me is, it's from the movie Mars Attacks. <laughs> and as soon as Daniel put on that music, he from the other room, I heard him making the sounds the Martians made: knack 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 knack. And, and now I'm not going to give the I'm not going to give the plot away because it's a great satirical piece. It's a it's a great fun piece. And if you haven't seen the movie before, take it. But I will tell you that the entire salvation of humankind is through that song. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see where I'm going? I had the presence of mind on that melancholy day when everything around me looked like the glass was half empty, where it seemed to me that the love had drained out of my world, in, I think this song is like three minutes and two seconds, in three minutes and two seconds, I had changed my life. And I would like to suggest that you have the power to do the same thing. Now, it's doubtful that it's Indian love call for you. (laughs) But I would suggest that each of you knows enough about your own thinking and your own heart, your own ways of being, the things that delight you, the things that interest you, that you can likewise make an about face. Another thing that I frequently do is I will call my friend Joanne Schaefer. She is the most amazing friend. You can call her day or night and within five minutes you're laughing together on the phone. And I would I bet most of you have a friend like that too. You have the power to change your lives. And I want to suggest today that you actually have an obligation to do so. Now, when I am stuck in my blues, when I am stuck in being melancholy, do you think I'm doing anybody on the planet any good? Certainly not myself. But i got to tell you, when we're being a downer, we are a downer. The universe literally is brought down slightly when we are fussing around in our stuff. We owe it not only to ourselves, but really to the universe to have a kind of evolution. And the evolution I want to suggest is getting closer and closer and then surpassing that 51% percent of the time having life-affirming glorious joyous thoughts and even if we have to do it a thought at a time it's still evolution even if we have to look into our own heads and say oh my god you just went south what is this about the daffodils being all bloomed right look outside the peonies are next up on the list do you know what i mean It's like even if you have to remind yourself thought by thought by thought to move up on that scale of life to get yourself out of thinking negatively, it is okay. This is evolution. And I even found a joke about evolution that I want to share with you. So one day a zookeeper noticed that the orangutan was reading. And not only was the orangutan reading, here's his reading material, the Bible, and Darwin's Origin of the Species. Well, in surprise, the zookeeper asked the great ape, why are you reading those books, she asked. Well, said the orangutan, I just wanted to know whether I was my brother's keeper or my keeper's brother. I want to ask you, similarly, I want to ask you, If you have the idea of evolution in your head that it's just for you, because if if it's just about recognizing in your own heart that life could be better, that's one form of evolution, I I guess. And, And we'll start there. But when you are firmly placed in the 70% positive thoughts, the 80% positive thoughts, when you begin having in your own heart an evolution in your consciousness to the extent where all of your days are positive, you are are a magnet. You are a tremendous magnet. It's like everyone will want to be with you. Everyone will want to magnify that sense of well-being. Have you ever been in a restaurant or been in a group of people where you wanted to be at the other table? Do you know what I mean? Where like your table's kind of quiet and not much is going on and oh my God, are they having a birthday party? That is the power of the the 70%, the 80%, the 90% of positive thinking. This is what I want for the people in this room. For the people in this room, I want not just that things are going okay, and, and, and maybe I should be satisfied with that, but you know, I'm just not. I know that the people in this room are capable of greatness in your own lives and for the planet. Every single person in this room has a gift to share. And when we're on the melancholy side, when they're on, the, as my three-year-old friend says, the poopy side of life, <laughs> it is not going to happen. So what is it in you that's your Indian love call? This is starting out our homework for today. Each one of us, I think, has a means by which you can do that flip over. That when you're having the, the poopy day, when you're having the melancholy day, when you're having thoughts of, of despair or, or even just noticing that the world is a hard place to be, there is something within each person in this room that can turn that around, and that's your homework. That's the first part of your homework for next week. Next week, I want you to be able to come and tell me, you know, all I have to do is get out that photo album of my grandkids, and that flips it around. Thank you. Or I want you to come next week, and you say, you know, it's not the Indian love call, but whenever I hear this piece of music, it just makes me laugh. That's fine. Or, or a book that you might read, or someone that you phone to get you switched around. You've got it in you, and I want you to know what it is. I want you to realize your power. Because it's not enough just knowing how this stuff works. we got to be using this stuff. The other thing I want to talk about, so far we've talked about the idea of evolution, the idea of incrementally weeding out the negative thoughts and bringing in more of a positive way of being, more in alignment with the the spiritual qualities of God, kind of thought by thought or idea by idea. If that's evolution, I also want to encourage us to do a revolution. I think we can also set ourselves up to make more progress than just a percentage or two at a time. Now that's enough right? It's totally enough. Once you begin aware of your thinking and begin consciously changing things, it will come up. It absolutely will come up. But I also know that for each person in this room, there is something, maybe more than one thing that would make you take a little bit of a leap that would do a revolution in you. Now, I know many of the women in this room are signed up for the women's retreat. This is just such a tool. If anyone in this room feels that their heart isn't open enough, if any woman in this room has the sense that there's, there's something something holding you back that your heart is in any way closed or hampered, sign up for the women's retreat. This is a leap ahead and I'm sure any of the women that have, have been here will tell you that is a heart opening experience. I can plan on it, I can schedule it, I can be in it, and I know it will do that for me. That is more than just one degree up on that little scale. That's a leap. Likewise, for some people I know, they have scheduled meditative retreats. And I want to tell you, if you have spent a week or even three or four days in complete silence, you begin to know what's going on up here. (laughs) Without the distractions of other people talking, without the distractions of you talking... (laughs) you will begin understanding what's powering the stuff in your life. And i got to tell you, the first time I went, this was not good news. This was about, this was about 15 years ago, and I thought, oh, my God. Well, is it no wonder that my relationship is kind of horrible right now. I'm having specifically horrible thoughts about it and about life. You will learn through something like a meditative retreat, how life works, how you are working because you'll have time, you'll have the silence, you'll be able to sit with your thoughts and see if they're the thoughts you want to be having. You can start just by meeting with a, one of our licensed practitioners and taking a look at some things in your spiritual practice and your spiritual life where you can get a leg up, a movement forward. What I know is, in the same way that something like the Indian love call can switch your mood, I also know that there's something in your life, something that you can do, something proactive that you can do that will make all the difference, that will give you a tremendous leg up, a spiritual revolution, if you will, in your own life. That's your second piece of homework. I would like you to think about something that you might do focused really in on your spirituality and how you can do a leg up, not just incrementally, you know, thought by thought, do a little weeding, which is important, and and, and I want to continue doing that, but what might really set you free. That's part two of your homework. The final result, if you will, of spiritual evolution is the evolution of the planet. We're in the middle of it. And, and I guess that would be safe to say that uh, anyone could have said that at any time in history that we're in the middle of it. But our lives, our planet right now, I think is in the middle of it in a more fundamental way. Uh, can you imagine less than 200 years ago, the thought, for instance, of slavery is what most people would have said is probably Okay. We have changed the planet so rapidly in its spiritual evolution in just the last few hundred years. Right now, I would say our one of the focuses on the planet in terms of spiritual revel, uh, evolution is the treatment of women, for instance, right? Already, I think, as a people, we agree that everyone should be treated evenly, and now we're seeing the outliers, the places on the planet where women are still being treated badly, and don't they glaringly shine up? It wasn't that long ago, we would have nodded our heads and said, that's the fate of women. We're not standing for that shit anymore. Life is changing. We're in the middle of a huge evolution in consciousness. And the more that we individually evolve, the more that we are seeing our own power through our thinking, the more that we are on that positive side of life, the more we push our 51% into 52 and 58 and 59 and 70, the more that we can look at the person on the street with the sign that says, Hungry, I need help. Yes, we can still offer them food, but we don't think, what a poor person, right? We need to begin orienting towards our thoughts to saying, yes, circumstances may need other people to have a helping hand. It does not make them less than when we begin affirming that even the, the things that look wrong in life are wrong in circumstances but not wrong in consciousness, then, then this planet will move fast so quickly. This planet will, will evolve spiritually in a way that is astounding. And we are in the middle of it. It's huge, it's powerful, and it starts here. So I'm going to quickly review our homework for the week, and then we're going to have a a final quote, another beautiful song, a prayer. Homework, first of all, what can make that little shift in you to get you out of feeling like the glass is half empty? What can you do when you notice it to absolutely make that shift in consciousness so that when you're thinking on the negative side, it's only for a few minutes, not for a day, not for a week, not for, you know... Two weeks, okay? And then part two, what can you use to really schedule a leg up in your own life, whether it's a retreat or a meeting with a practitioner? Maybe it's a spiritual book that you've always thought you should read but have been putting off. Maybe it's participating next month in a complaint-free world, which we're going to be doing as a, as a team here in the sanctuary. So we're going to be having a lot of, uh, a lot of fun with that, and I just got my bracelet today. So, uh, um, so I'll be asking you, starting next Sunday, to keep me honest and complete complaint-free. But whatever it is, that's the second part of your homework. What can you do to really have a leg up? So let's close today with a final quote from Ernest Holmes as he closes out this book and a prayer. He says, remember, the great one is the one who can keep great in the crowd. So it isn't in the silence of our own prayers. It isn't in meditation. That's when it's easy to keep the high thoughts. That's when it's, it, it makes, you know, there's no struggle in meditation to have the world be a great place. Remember, the great one is the one who can keep within the crowd the calm. And more, this is the only way to help or to save the world. In time, all people will come to the same understanding. You are lifting up the standard of life and those And there are those who will readily follow. You have no responsibility to save the entire world except by exemplifying the truth. When you exemplify the truth, the world saves itself. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence. There's one life. There's one goodness. And it is all there is. It is that thing that I call God and what I know about God is that sweetness of life. I see it as the uh, not as the daffodils being bloomed out. I see it as the peonies getting ready. I see it as life in its uh, in its poignant and, and and robustness. I I see it in the joys and in the peace of everyday living. I I see it everywhere I look in the people and the places. the 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 livingness of this world is God. And what I recognize is that that means me, that I actually have the obligation and I'm standing for that obligation today to know that the world, that my world is good, that my world is joyous, to use whatever power I have in my own mind, dominion over my own thoughts, to claim it and to be it. And even as I claim this for myself, I know that the world is, is healed. I know that the world is likewise made more joyous, more alive, more sweet, and as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person in this room. Each person here has the capability of making each thought be more positive, that has the ability of making each belief more in alignment with what they want to experience, that has each moment of existence more filled with love, more filled with life, more filled with joy. And I'm simply grateful for this knowingness. I'm grateful to be here in the presence of God as it takes the form of these people and beyond. I let it be, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. Thank you.